0: I'm San Francisco Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, and you're listening to 5th in Mission. The city's bars and nightclubs are still closed. That's good for public health, but problematic for people who make their living through the city's nightlife. Heklina, a well-known drag queen and former owner of the Oasis nightclub, is frustrated that bars in other parts of the state and country have been operating so irresponsibly. She says they're giving people like the Oasis owners a bad name and could further delay their opening in San Francisco. Hecklina, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.
0: It's a delight. I'm a big fan, so I'm happy to be talking to you.
1: Well, I'm flattered.
0: <laughs> I know you were frustrated by San Francisco's decision-making around bars and clubs reopening and started a change.org petition asking the mayor to open, him, open them sooner. And I was wondering what is the latest on where things stand with your club, The Oasis, and others reopening?
1: Well, I don't know. I think that um, people were really, were into the petition and even Mayor Breed signed it and Scott Wiener and some other people. But um, I don't think realistically it's going to happen until August Yeah, that, that we can reopen. Um, and, you know, people are I've seen so many um, nightclub owners just be really irresponsible and reckless mm-hmm. down in um, Palm Springs and also uh, some friends of mine in Atlanta who are club promoters, they, they allowed a big packed party to happen with dancing and everything. And it just, it seems to just put us further back, you know,
0: mm-hmm. they're kind of giving everybody a bad name.
1: Yes. Because, um, because I, I worked so hard to, to tell people that if we did open uh, in the same time frame as restaurants, we would of course have stringent guidelines we would not allow dancing i'm sorry but dancing it's kind of like footloose you know dancing can't happen <laughs> for now dancing cannot happen
0: yeah there's a time and, for everything Yeah,
1: and uh you know it would have to be table seating and um music kept loud so people aren't like leaning into each other too mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you know what i mean it would have to be very monitored just like a restaurant So then when I hear about uh, club promoters, just like because that's the general perception that people have of nightclub owners is that we are this, you know, uh, uh, you know, not very uh, responsible people who just want to make a quick buck and we don't care about our customers. That's kind of how I feel these people were in Atlanta. It's like Mm -hmm. they're just living in a different uh, reality or something. What
0: kind of behavior were you seeing in Palm Springs and Atlanta? Just like operating like totally normal or
1: well I mean what, what I what what I just said about the party in Atlanta. Th- these are people that I that I worked with on this uh cruise for years now. Um and then they, they own a club in Atlanta called The Heretic and they were letting, you know people like hundreds of people in at a time. Oh, wow. Uh sweaty and dancing on the dance floor and you know uh that's a recipe for disaster, sure enough. Um it became a hotbed of Corona infection that, that, you know, that bar. And so I also saw it a little bit in Palm Springs um, at some bars where there was no social distancing guidelines. I mean, some bars are just super tiny, you know, and, um, and maybe they can't reopen, you know, or they just have to, I mean, the only way to do it is to, is to be very stringent about safety.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's probably harder as people drink alcohol to keep them you know mindful of social distancing and
1: well yeah, I think that with well with oasis, it was just um I think what we would do in lieu of actually actually having people sit at a bar and drink and get drunk, we probably would do cabaret where people are seated, and uh you know there's a show on the stage, and the tables are distanced, you know, just like um you know, I went to restaurants in palm Springs and every other booth was taped off so people couldn't sit in it um and uh that's but that's oasis oasis was built upon the whole premise of being a cabaret and not not every bar can do that you know
0: and you have a, quite a bit of space so you could space people out
1: yes it's it's really big but um but i you know and and it also boils down to a personal choice you know people i think that when um that when we are allowed to go to bars and restaurants again, a lot of people still aren't going to feel safe, you know? So it, it'll be a long time before uh, things get back to a semblance of normal.
0: Yeah. So what is it like to be a nightclub owner right now when nightclubs can't operate? What are finances looking like for you in terms of Oasis and, and how long can you keep it afloat?
1: Well, I'm no longer at part of Oasis. I sold, I sold my part, but, um, but I am still, very much wanting to keep it afloat you know the stud went out of business and uh that was sort of a long time coming I think but I think um the other the other it it really depends first and first and foremost on landlords not being assholes you know (laughs) like we opened Oasis with the thought that it would be a packed nightclub Mm -hmm. um and then so like if if we can't be open we certainly cannot pay full rent and our landlord luckily has been very understanding Mm -hmm. Um, there's been a great GoFundMe, uh, which raised a bunch of money. There is a, uh, we got the payroll protection plan, so we're able to pay our staff. Oh, that's good. Um, they're on unemployment. We are um, finding s- certain, some other ways, like Darcy is uh, doing this drag show on wheels kind of thing, like m- meal delivery, and then <laughs> a that. drag queen does a lip sync for you on, your, on the sidewalk outside your house.
0: That is very San Francisco.
1: Yeah, very San Francisco. <laughs> I mean, everybody is just having to try and be um, enterprising. This whole thing happened overnight. Mm-hmm. Really, it feels like it. And um, overnight, it's like uh, all the drag queens had to think, "How am I going to make money?" So everyone's doing these online shows, and I think it's the same with Oasis. Oasis is doing, you know, YouTube shows, and uh, you know, but we're really just helping people. will continue to send uh, Venmo to Oasis. You know, I, I was very big in, in June of saying, like, if you really want these spaces to be open once, this, once the dust settles from this, then now is the time to send, you know, money to these organizations. And, you know, not just Oasis, Jolene's and, you know, The, uh, the Lookout and, you know, all these other... The, the, so if, if you were planning to go out, if you would have gone out for Pride Weekend and spent a bunch of money, And maybe take some of that money and send it to these uh, to these bars to to make sure they to make sure your queer spaces are actually going to be there.
0: It wouldn't be San Francisco without them. So that's an important point. I'll be right back with Heclina. I'm back with Heclina, one of San Francisco's favorite drag queens. I know bars and nightclubs are in different phases, but bars were going to be allowed to reopen with outdoor seating. How do you think that would have played out? That's on pause right now. But do you think that that's a good compromise?
1: Absolutely. I think, I think uh, being outdoors is uh, much less risky than being indoors. Mm-hmm. And um, I was going to say that I, I feel like, like viruses don't really thrive well in the summer, mm-hmm. but this, this virus seems to be different somehow, but you know, tr- traditionally flus and colds that come around in the winter time when people are cooped up inside. Yeah. Uh, so I think that if, if the weather permits, it's even easier to socially, di- to socially distance. And human beings, I mean, it's really easy to say, stay in your house. Don't go out. Don't see anybody. But you know, it's easy to say, but people are gonna, people go stir crazy after a while. They have to get out and do something. Um, I, I, it was such a revelation in Palm Springs to go to my first restaurant after months and have somebody wait on me. And I was
0: <laughs> like, oh. How long were you down there? I was down
1: there for, I, was, I went down there right right before we locked down here. Uh So I drove down, I think the 13th or 14th of March and I just drove back last night.
0: Oh, wow. What did it feel like to come back into San Francisco after that long away?
1: Well, I don't know. I just came in late last night. You know, I had a very traumatic trip because my cat uh, came with me and, you know, it's such a traumatic time for cats to drive so anyway, I got in super late, and um, I woke up in San Francisco, and my apartment's a mess. It's all my <laughs> stuff that I had with me in Palm Springs, and I'm afraid to go out and do anything because I just feel like uh, everybody's been saying it's very bleak out there, but yeah. maybe not.
0: Well, on a brighter note, um, you are one of my favorite drag queens in the city, and I've been attending your Golden Girls Christmas shows at the Victoria Theater every December, pretty much since they started.
1: Wow. Thank you.
0: How many years have you been going?
1: Uh, well, we started in 2006 and, um, we have been at the Victoria since 2011.
0: Okay. I've been going to the Victoria one. So yeah, probably yeah. about nine or 10 years.
1: Yeah. It just kept growing, you know? So we, we finally, you know, we went from, we started off in a, in a lot in the, in the front room of my friend's parlor in his house. <laughs> wow. Yeah. We started off in uh, the front parlor of my friend's house and, uh, just went from venue to venue and finally we were like in, instead of doing like a hundred shows during a season let's just go somewhere bigger and do fewer shows and play to more people and we just love how san francisco has embraced the show yeah and and right now we're doing lives actually that's another thing we're doing live script readings of the show on zoom or actually it's a platform called rush ticks and uh-huh. um
0: yeah. I attended one of those. It was really fun.
1: Yeah. We have two more, you know, that's another fundraiser for Oasis.
0: Yeah. Do you, what is the likelihood? you think that the Christmas shows will take place this year?
1: Well, it all depends. It all depends on what happens um, with uh, either, either a, a, a viable treatment, like a kind of prevention or a vaccine. I, I think until then, You know, Peaches Christ and I were scheduled to do a show down in um, Palm Springs at the Camelot Theater, which seats like 500 people. And I I got in touch with them, and they said, "Well, we're allowed to do um, to do a quarter of that, so we can have 125 people." And so the idea of doing a show for 125 people in a 500 seat theater—first of all, that was strange. Yeah. And and there's so many unknowns. Like like if you do sell tickets to a show are people some people are still so spooked they're not they don't want to go out and and go to a show you know so it's very uncertain so golden girls is up in the air
0: yeah would it be not as much fun to perform for a theater that's has so many empty seats in it
1: well i i just think that um that you know if you want to wait until you can have a packed theater again you're going to be waiting a while before you can do a, a show definitely and then i think it's maybe the new normal for for, for now to do those kind of shows where every other seat is empty or something mm-hmm. you know yeah we're all having to kind of rethink everything this is very surreal it
0: is very weird what is it like to perform on zoom when you're not with your co-stars you're all in the different boxes on the screen from your own homes is it hard to to get the rhythm
1: well the first one was hard because it just felt without an audience in front of us and um And I was like, is this working? Like, we're just sitting here reading the script. But afterwards, people said they really enjoyed it. And I was like, okay, you know, it just seems it's a pale imitation of the actual show to me. Just because there's no audience. There's no, you know, um, there's no props. There's no set changes. It's, you know, it is what it is. And so it, it was just strange also to just you know, I had to re I had to think of how I can make money during this time. So I've been doing lots of these online shows, um, for certain drag festivals and, and whatever. And it just became old really quick, just sitting in front of a screen.
0: Yeah. I think everybody's over it. Are you able to make enough money to, to, you know, make it?
1: Uh, well, let's see with my, I, I am on, I am on unemployment mm-hmm. because. Um, I am still getting a paycheck from Oasis or I was until we closed down. So I'm on unemployment. And then on top of that, I'm, you know, doing just little things here and there. So I am maybe making half of the Mm -hmm. money I was making before beforehand. So it's, but I'm, you know, I'm not going out and and doing anything. So maybe there's
0: nothing to spend money on, (laughs) nothing
1: to spend money on exactly.
0: And between Pride being canceled on, you know, its 50th anniversary and the stud closing down, like you mentioned, and, you know, Oasis not operating, what is it like? What do you think queer nightlife, um, in San Francisco is like right now? And do you see it coming back as big as it was before?
1: Well, queer nightlife is, um, once again going to be dependent on people supporting these institutions now while they're closed down. Um, and, uh, I think that it, it will bounce back. Um people are going to I've, I've been asked this question so many times but I'm trying to I'm trying to be diplomatic about queer nightlife in San Francisco while I'm answering <laughs> this question. Yeah. You I don't have to be like, diplomatic. Yeah, f- I feel like um queer nightlife was already kind of getting um bland and uh so this really kind of San Francisco felt like a dystopian nightmare before mm, Corona oh, yeah. and now, and now it really is one is what I, I guess, I guess that's really the truth. But I think that, that I have faith in the young kids that they will, um, I don't know. It's a hard question for me to answer because I got, I, I got out of nightlife in San Francisco for a reason. You know, I'd been doing it for like 20 over 20 years and uh, there was just nothing more for me to say. And,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, um, but I think, it will st- there's certainly events I want-, I want to do in San Francisco once things reopen.
0: Yeah. Well, I hope you keep up the Golden Girls at least.
1: Oh, I will. And, at you know, Eagle. I have parties like, you know, at El Rio, I have Daytime Realness, which is an amazing party. It's just, it's hard to do parties now with um, so much of the colorful people of San Francisco just having been drained away, you know? By the high rents and everything so one thing is there's a silver lining to all this and that is that um people working from home they realize now they don't have to live in san francisco mm-hmm. and commute out to you know the facebook campus or whatever they can move back to you know arkansas and do it there <laughs> because there's so many people that move to san francisco because they don't care that it's san francisco that is here for, to tech for, yeah for their work when I moved to San Francisco, I wanted to live in San Francisco. It was a huge deal to me. So, people, I think, will be leaving. The people that don't really, they don't really add to San Francisco. A lot of them will be leaving. I think rents are already going down. Yeah, you know, the are. best thing. I, I always said San Francisco needed to have a massive earthquake hit to scare away some of those people. <laughs> <laughs> and now this this could be it. You know, so that's a silver lining. I think.
0: Well, that's really interesting take on things. And now it's time for our lightning round. Oh, okay. Where is your favorite place in San Francisco to get a burrito?
1: Pancho Villa.
0: What is your favorite movie filmed in San Francisco?
1: Foul Play or Vertigo. I can't decide.
0: (laughs) Where is your favorite place in the city to get a stiff drink? And I bet I know the answer.
1: Oasis.
0: (laughs) That's what I thought. (laughs) What was your first concert?
1: Grace Jones.
0: Oh, nice. What was the last book you read? Oh, God.
1: The, uh, the, it's called Cookie. It's the life story of Cookie Mueller. I think it's called Edgewise. I have it over mm-hmm. here in my house somewhere.
0: Cool. I know the answer to this, but for our listeners, how did you come up with the drag name Heklina?
1: I moved here from Reykjavik, Iceland. And when the first time I did drag here, I needed a name. And I just thought there's a volcano in Iceland called Hekla. And I was like, Heckla, Hecklina, sure, you know, whatever. It's one of those things that you think of in five seconds and then it becomes you. <laughs> what me. lasted a lifetime. Exactly.
0: And you play Dorothy in the drag version of the Golden Girls. In real life, are you most like her or one of the other Golden Girls?
1: I'm a combination of Dorothy and Blanche.
0: Okay. How long does it take you to transform into Hecklina?
1: About an hour and 15 minutes.
0: Ooh. Besides yourself, who is your favorite San Francisco drag queen?
1: Peaches Christ.
0: And last question, what is something you always make sure to squeeze into your busy day?
1: Hugging my cat.
0: Oh, that's cute. (laughs) 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 Well, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun to talk to you.
1: Yay. Well, thanks for having me.
0: (laughs) Thank you to Hecklina for joining me today, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and to you for listening.